Hey, welcome to another podcast with Hector Hernandez. Today we got a special guest, Mr. Charles Ross, Chuck, as I like to call him. And uh, again, this podcast is about entrepreneurship and how you can be successful when you're trying to start your business or when you already have a business and you're trying to go to the next step. So again, today we have Mr. Charles, Mr. Charles Ross. Let's go ahead and get started. Mr. Ross, welcome. Hey, thank you. Well, so um, Mr. Ross, we're here in the podcast again. We're trying to help entrepreneurs understand the importance of financial planning, understand the importance of financial statements and understanding the importance of long-term planning. So we know you're an expert and you've been working with New York Life for a long time. But before we get into New York Life, tell us a little bit about who you are, your family and about it a bit about your past experiences that you have. Great. Um, thanks. Uh, so who I am more than anything, uh, I would define myself as an educator. And that ties in quite a bit to my, my past uh, experience, my work experience. Uh, so I have two main backgrounds, which is insurance and education. So prior to working for New York Life, I worked uh, for Humana Health Insurance for five years. I worked for two years with USAA doing property and casualty. Uh, so I have a lot of uh, prior experience uh, in different fields of insurance, but I was also a uh, public school educator for 13 years. I taught English, uh, I did some school administration, and that I think ultimately defines what I would be doing in any career moving forward, including what I do now, uh, helping people through New York Life, which is to help educate them better about things that can help them be successful in their life. And so you continue to be an educator. You might not be in the school system, but you're still educating. Awesome. So talk to me a little bit about uh, New York Life. What is it? What is that you do there? Sure, absolutely. So New York Life is a mutual insurance company. It's one of the oldest uh, insurance companies in the in the country. It's 170 years old. Uh, it predates dollar bills <laughs> and the state of Texas. Um, but really what it is at its heart is it's an insurance company. Uh, it deals primarily with insurance products. Um, but uh, there's a lot of ways that we can utilize those insurance products to help people uh, with their, their financial planning. And I think the, the mutual part of New York Life shouldn't be um, uh, understated either because what a mutual company is, is it's a company that is owned by the policyholders, not by shareholders. And so New York Life has never been bought or sold. Uh, it is not publicly traded. Uh, at its heart, it's a, it's a company owned by its clients. And then finally, I think it's worth pointing out that New York Life is one of the most highly rated uh, mutual insurance companies uh, in the nation. And when you're talking about insurance, you want to be dealing with someone, working with someone that, that has that high uh, objective third-party rating uh, that can stand behind the promises that they make. Awesome. Now, I heard you mention financial planning uh, several times in the last since. Can you tell us a little bit of the importance of financial planning and having insurance? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, the, the funny thing about that is that uh, the, the joke goes, not everyone needs insurance. If you hate your wife and you hate your kids, you don't need insurance. Uh, so I think the, the financial planning part is the really important part, the, the sitting down and having a conversation and finding out what is it you do need. Um, what is it you are looking to protect either now or in the future? And really everything generates from that conversation. And so 
not having that conversation is the danger because whether you realize it or not, you have a plan. Uh, you have a plan for right now and you have a plan for the future. But if you haven't taken the time to sit down and, and talk it out, especially with somebody that can provide some expert advice on it, it's probably not a very good plan and it's probably not going to serve you very well. Um, so like anything in life, you know, having a plan before you need it is really the, the, the most important uh, way to go. And so, um, you know, we can, I can talk with a client about the importance of insurance, but really only after first finding out is insurance something that would be important to them. Awesome. So you say you help with financial planning. Isn't it really hard to sell financial products to business owners or to individuals? Um, you know, it's, it's not hard to sell the product because, uh, you know, people, people will buy what they need. I think the hard part is the education part and helping people understand what they do or don't need. Uh, and you know, no insurance, no amount of insurance is right or wrong until you compare it to, you know, what you'd like to see happen uh, if God forbid you didn't come home tomorrow, and compare that to what will actually happen at this point. What is the reality of, of what's going to happen if you don't come home tomorrow? And see if there's a discrepancy there, and see if that even bothers you. And so, at the end of the day, really, the, the hard part is just um, helping people to understand. You know what the need is, and once people see the need, selling it, selling the product is easy. <laughs> Understood. So, can you tell us a little bit of um, what are some common misconceptions people have about financial planning and insurance and New York life as a whole? Sure. Well, I know. I mean, I think I think insurance salesmen. You, you just say those two words, you put those together, and automatically we sort of have a sleazy connotation that goes with that. You know, we, we think of the guy going door to door, sticking his foot, you know, in the door. Uh, you know, don't close it yet. Uh, you know, I got a great deal for it. Um, you know, like a, like selling vacuum cleaners. Uh, and and so I think I think the mis biggest misconception about insurance is that it's uh, you know we're trying to sell something that people don't want, don't need, and can't afford. You know, really just a completely useless uh, product and a, and a waste of everyone's money, uh, you know, just to make a profit. And that and that's not, um, you know, what I'm in the, I'm in the business of. I, I have no interest in that. Uh, my interest is in helping people understand what they do need, uh, if they need anything. But again, we don't know until we have that conversation. And so um, I think people are, you know, afraid of getting sold. You know, you think about um, last time you went into a retail store and the clerk said, can I help you with anything? And even if you went in there with a very clear objective of, I know I want to buy something today, you're probably your first instinct was to say, no, I'm fine, <laughs> you know, leave me alone. And then, you know, five seconds later, you're like, wait, wait, actually, um, because we just don't want to get sold. We just don't want to have that pressure on us. And so I think that's the, that's the other misconception, you know, that we're, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of used car salesmen. We're going to try to, try to what, what do I have to do to put you in this car today? And really, again, at its heart, there is no point trying to sell somebody something that they don't want, don't need, and can't afford. So really what we want to do first and foremost is just have a conversation. Find out what you're about, find out what you need, and then go from there. Really nice, really good. Now, let me ask you a little bit about this. So uh, you talk about misconceptions, but after you sit down with people and you sit down with clients, what's the most common reason people don't or fail to plan? You know, I think there's there's a couple factors there. You know, one is, 
you know, just obviously it's very hard to look past the now, especially in our day and age. I mean, things, you know, life comes at you fast and there's always a, there's always a fire to put out. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult to think, you know, well, this is what I should be doing with my money to deal with problems that are going to arise 30, 40 years from now when I've got problems right now. Um, of course, you know, the problem there being, you know, you're going to regret that 30 or 40 years from now when you didn't make those plans uh, and, and, you know, curse and wave your fist at younger you who didn't do that. But it's, it's, hard, for, it's hard for people just to take a breath, sit down and, and, and think about the long term. I think the other, um, the other uh, you know, hurdle I run into with, with having those conversations is people have become very reliant on... Um, on work providing some of these things and not having to think about it because it's provided through work. So, you know, I, I think about, you know, uh, work benefits, if you can get them, which I mean, it's fantastic if you can get them because not everyone can, uh, but work benefits uh, like a 401k or, um, you know, work, work sponsored life insurance, those are great things. But the problem is uh, what, I, what I tend to see from the clients that I work with is this sort of assumption that if work provided it, work must know what they're doing and the, you know and it must be good I must be fine right I've got insurance through work I've got a 401k I'm fine right and the fact is that's not their job <laughs> it's not your employer's job to, to guarantee that you have enough life insurance to guarantee that you're going to be set in retirement um, they provided a vehicle and it's up to you how to know how to use it correctly and one of the most useful things I can usually do for people is just sit down and look at their work benefits with them and say okay well have you done the, have you crunched the numbers? Have you made sure that this is actually going to get you through retirement? Have you, have you made sure this is actually the sufficient amount of coverage for everything that you want to, uh, you want to take care of? And then we can just go from there. Now, let me talk about this. When people are interested in financial planning and want to, but aren't ready to sit down with you, uh, what are some resources or support available for them to get some answers before they sit, they sit with you? Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, right off the bat, uh, they can go to, uh, you know, newyorklife.com and, and uh, take a look at what we're, we're all about. Um, I would say uh, another great resource really is just their own social security statement, which, uh, you know, a lot of people don't look at it anymore. And there's actually a reason for that. They don't, uh, if you've noticed, they don't really mail them out anymore. You have to really be proactive and go out and sign into the, um, the social security website and download those statements now. But that's a really important resource to, to look at in terms of getting an idea, a, a real reality check of what is, um, you know, that stream of income going to potentially look like, you know, by the time I'm, I'm ready to retire and what do I need to do uh, in addition to that. Another really great resource for my uh, Texas clients is a website called um, ownyourfuturetexas.org. Um, and I'm mentioning this one because uh, that is a, a website sponsored by the Texas Department of, of Health and Human Services, specifically designed to educate people on the needs, uh, on the need and the costs of long-term care planning. Um, one of the things, if you take a look at your social security statement, you'll notice there is a blurb that says, basically, uh, these benefits will not pay for long-term care. Um, and that's become a real problem of people, uh, you know, outliving their savings, outliving their retirement. Um, or uh, 
not being able to take care of themselves, uh, outliving their health, basically. We're living longer and longer. We're not necessarily healthier, we're just living longer and longer. And so a lot of people need that care uh, in their elder years, and it's, it's very expensive. And if you haven't looked at what the actual costs are of assisted living, of home health care, of a nursing home, everyone needs to look at those numbers and find out exactly what that could cost. Because at some point down the road, that could be costing you or your family. Awesome. Thank you. So now let's step away a little bit from the New York Live aspect and look at your career as an entrepreneur, as your own businessman. Since you are your, your agent with New York Live, you do your own marketing, you do your own sales, you do your own everything, correct? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's correct. They, now, your, New York Live provides a lot of great resources. Uh, and, and I will say that, you know, one other uh, thing to worth pointing out in terms of the resources is that, um, you know, when you meet with me, you are, in a sense, uh, you have the entire expertise of that New York Life office uh, behind what I'm doing. It's as a whole, we work together to provide those resources to all of our clients. So if there's ever a question I can't answer, I guarantee there's someone in that office that can that can answer it or provide a certain type of specialization whether you're a small business owner um, uh, you know doing family planning etc um, but yeah the, I, the expectation is on me to go out there and create a business uh, in a sense um, you know build that book of business and so uh, yeah I've had to really think through things like what are you know ways that I can market using social media um, what is the most effective use of you know mail versus You know, texting versus email, and and really at the end of the day, what uh, am I presenting as my personal brand? You know, who am I as a person that someone's going to want to sit down and, and talk with? You know, Chuck Ross about about their financial future. Yeah, so walk us a little bit through that. Whenever you're deciding your marketing channels, how do you decide which one is the one for you? So you mentioned, hey, is social media, which platform, or mail, or text? What goes through your mind when you're thinking about that? You know, um, I think it really just comes down to the, the demographic and who, who I can reach most effectively and who's going to respond most effectively. So I've, I've, actually, I, I've actually discovered I'm a, more of a Luddite than I realized I was. Uh, and I was shocked to, to when I started to discover that people were much more comfortable having conversations about these things through DMs uh, than through phone <laughs> calls and, t and even texts. Uh, you know, I thought, I mean, well, okay, uh, you know, the millennials, right? I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, so I get to talk about the millennials. Uh, but, the, you know, the millennials, oh, they're all going to want to text, right? I'll send them a text and no, they'll not, <laughs> I get no responses to text. And, but, I'm, but I'll, you know, DM them on uh, Facebook or Instagram, of all things, and that's where the conversations happen. So it was, it was kind of an eye-opener for me. But, I mean, at the same time, probably the retiree market is not going to be necessarily the DM crowd. Uh, and so they may respond better to um, even traditional mail, I think, is, is probably going to be more comforting in terms of going, oh, this guy can, you know, afford to put something in the mail and send it to me. That, that reassures me that he's, he's got his, his act together. So I think just understanding um, a little bit about who the market is uh, helps when deciding what is the venue for, for trying to approach that market. Yes, yes. So it's uh, basically understanding who your demographics are and what platform they're on and how can you approach them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, give me, talk to us a little bit on some hurdles that you faced personally when you were growing, when you were trying to start your business or when you first were doing the social media marketing. What are some challenges and things you faced? Sure. Well, I mean, I will say that I think the biggest 
hurdle from an entrepreneurial standpoint is just that risk. You know, it's just the idea that I'm going to have to take risks and not all of them are going to be successful. I'm going to have to spend money to make money. Uh, I'm going to have to invest in, in ideas and not all of them are going are gonna to pay off. But I have to trust the system and I have to trust myself enough to know that um, you know, if I'm doing things, if I'm doing things correctly and I'm putting in the work, enough of them will pay off to offset that risk. But that's, but that's a scary prospect, uh, you know. And and honestly, it's scary and exciting because at this point, I look at if I were to have to ever have to go back to a salary job, honestly, to me, that's that's like someone has a leash on you and they can just kind of tug it whenever they want, right? You know. Um, and so it's it's exciting to be your own boss. It's exciting to be able to uh, you know face those things and be personally responsible for, for what happens. But it's but it's also it's also very uh, very scary. Um, in in terms of you know, I think the the biggest hurdle with the marketing is just again kind of you know you run the race against yourself and so not giving up. Um, not taking things personally, uh, not taking lack of response as, as rejection. Uh, you know, the, the fact is that um, where most you know, salespeople fail is in the follow-up. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the sale is most likely to be made, uh, you know, statistically on the eighth contact. Um, and so I think the question you have to ask yourself is, you know, in most cases, did I, did I make it past the first or even second rejection. Did I did I keep going? Did I keep pushing through uh, and keep and keep marketing, uh, you know, to that person or to those people um, enough for them to you know come to a, a decision to say, hey, now is the right time, and I'm ready to do some business. Very interesting. Yeah, whenever you're trying to brand yourself, I figured that I had to disconnect my my personal emotions to my brand mm -hmm. and when I didn't get a response it wouldn't let it affect me personally and just see it as branding and marketing what could I do better mm -hmm. and not uh, like oh crap they hate Hector yeah right and once you <laughs> once you separate that, yeah once you separate those two it's, it's a really different day yeah as opposed to just thinking everybody's against you so um let's go ahead and follow up with this next question so other than the profession that you're in now what would something else that you like to to do I mean Taking the risk was the biggest thing, which you already did. Mm -hmm. But now that you've done that, what would be something else you would like to try? So, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that really I don't feel like I ever stopped being um, an educator. You know, what I do now I feel like is still education. But I, what I would like to do is I'd like to take that a step further and um, design more financial uh, resources for educators uh, and, for, and for students. Um, you know, one of my personal sort of um, uh, passions is uh, helping, especially high school students, uh, with financial education because, uh, you know, I just think about the, the predatory environment that, that college is in terms of lenders. Uh, you know, you've got your you've got your student loans, um, but then you've also got the you know the tables on freshman orientation day. Hey, here's a T-shirt and here's a credit card to go with it. And you know these these freshmen are walking around. I mean, basically, and I, and I say this from personal experience. I was one of them. Well, hey, I just got free money. Welcome to college. This is great. Where's the you know where's the nearest you know uh, a bar or place that I can buy you know something with this? Buy buy some stuff for my dorm room. Um, so, you know, and, and leaving, and now, and now they're in debt, 
right? And now they're in debt and they don't know how to manage it because no one ever taught them and that debt's going to get worse and worse, you know, if they don't pay the, the, the credit card savings on time, etc. So I think that, you know, what I'd love to do is, is get into classrooms again, not to necessarily stop what I'm doing now, but to get into classrooms in addition to that and, and help with the process of educating uh, those, those students. So it would still be in the profession you're in, but you would be in a different capacity where you would actually be facilitator, right? You're showing them how to do it. In yeah, exactly. Like shops and things. Yeah, maybe doing a maybe doing a grant or something to to provide a, to create a curriculum um, for for schools to use or for me to use, even you know publicly or privately, uh, to to help with those students. And I, and I think the really interesting thing about that is, I feel like I've learned more about teaching. Uh, working as a life insurance agent than I did as a teacher, <laughs> which is, it's interesting and, and a little sad. And I'm not, I'm not here to get on a soapbox about our public education system, but I will say that I think that there's a lot that teachers could learn from salespeople and entrepreneurs because there's a lot of things you learn just about human interaction and how to reach an audience that they don't teach you in uh, in education courses. Yeah, education it's a whole different it's a whole different topic for our subject. <laughs> <Another podcast. laughs> yeah. So we'll go ahead and wrap up with this question. This is a little bit different, but um, from your room, your desk and your car, which do you clean first and uh, why? I would say I would use the snowball effect and I would start with my desk. It's the it's the most under my control. I can say this is this is this is a minor victory. I've accomplished this. I feel good about this. Now I'm going to take that momentum, move on to the room. As for the car, I don't know if I'll ever get to the car. <laughs> I've got three children, so that's just an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, at least the one that they ride in. Uh, you know, as as soon as I can purchase uh, another vehicle that I can say this is Daddy's car, <laughs> the kids don't ride in it. That's the one I'm going to keep immaculate. But. They Two say, seater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A little, a little uh, a Fiat or something. But uh, uh, they, what's the what's the thing they say? Uh, trying to clean with children in the house is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. So that's kind of how I feel about my car right now. But definitely my desk and my room are things that are under my control. So I, I think I would start with the desk. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys. Well, you heard it here first from Mr. Charles Ross. You guys have any questions as far as your financial planning, or if you guys want some more motivation on entrepreneurship and how he got started, uh, feel free to reach out to him. We're going to have his contact information on the description of this podcast, and we will catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for joining. Mr. Ross, thank you. Thank you, Hector.